everyone. Hello. Uh, we're really happy to have you here for a new session of uh, Prosmani Cafe. Today we are going to talk about um, security, privacy and ethics in, in process mining. And it's such an important topic. We all have a responsibility when we analyze data, also as process miners. And um, I'm very happy here today that I'm joined by two people who are the perfect people to have this discussion with today. Uh, welcome Dirk Farland and Felix Manhart. Hi, Dirk. Hi, Felix. Hi. Hello. <laughs> So I want to briefly introduce you uh, both before we start. Uh, Dirk, um, you're an associate professor at Eindhoven um, Technical University. And um, yeah, you also create the advanced post-mining course and you have just created a new master for data science and artificial intelligence, where also the topic of ethics was quite important to you. Is this correct? Yes, this is correct. Um, and uh, ethics maybe comes a bit as a surprise as a uh, uh, yeah, topic of, say, advanced process mining. And um, maybe ethics not in the sense of uh, yeah, um, uh, doing good for the world, but doing a good job. And I think that is something that is very important to all of us when we work with data. So this is what I want to uh, share with you today. Right. Oh, that's great. And that's certainly one of the things that we want to talk about, because this can mean different things, right? It's like you can deliberately create false impressions, but you can also make mistakes. And all of these are yeah, aspects of doing a good job or being responsible in a way. Yes. So um, uh, it's not just thinking about the goal, but also say about the possible mistakes you might be making along the way and your goal have to fit your methods. So so this is a bit where thoughts of ethics uh, uh, come in, um, right? Where we're uh, doing a good job. Uh, the word good here is, is, is important, um, that uh, you try to do things right, um, uh, not just as a, uh, for society or for the for the company, but also just for your for your profession and that you can honestly say, what I did is, is trustworthy and people can build on it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we will come back to this much more um, later today. And uh, Felix, you are also yeah, uh, interested in this space already for a longer time, both as a, research, yeah, as a researcher, but also with a specific workshop at the uh, ICPM conference. Yes, right. So I uh, uh, got quite interested in the in the topic of, of privacy in particular on, on process mining. So maybe this, this uh, actually comes back to my time when I was a PhD student here in Eindhoven. And uh, I had, uh, uh, I, I wanted to publish uh, an event log actually for, uh, for helping the researchers in the process mining community to evaluate their methods and so on. And uh, yeah, obviously, uh, since process mining is about people in the end doing work, there is some uh, privacy considerations that needs to be made. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And this this working group, I remember, indeed, I was also a member back then as a, as a researcher. That was something that we started to think about already a few years ago. So it's also I'm, I'm really yeah, happy about today's session because I, I find it a, a really important topic that usually you find that not everyone is thinking about enough, right? It's become more important and um, there is, in, in general, maybe a little bit of an increased awareness about the importance of ethics and biases and things like that. But uh, I think it's always worth to talk about it more. Yeah, definitely. So I think that was uh, in Innsbruck, actually, I think, that, that uh, in 2015. Oh, okay, the, okay. Uh, the, the, this working group, I still remember it. So, yeah, yeah. I think since then, 
a lot of things have happened, but we are going to talk about this. Yes, exactly. No, perfect. All right. Now, before we dive into the, all of these important topics, I want to thank you all for joining uh, those who, are, who you are watching right now. As always, um, just below this um, the screen on the website where you are seeing this right now, you have the possibility to join a chat. Um, the chat is going to be live while we are uh, on the air and you can uh, just type your name and then you're part of um, part of this and um, you can either yeah, ask questions but also add your own uh, comments and feedback uh, and your own experiences around this topic there and we yeah we would very much encourage you to do this and specifically yeah, we have some questions for you uh, in advance um, that we are particularly interested about also to hear from you so for for me for example I would like to know whether the whole topic of responsibility and uh, yeah, responsible data handling, responsible data analysis, things like that. Is that a topic that you think about at the beginning of your process mining project? And if you do this, if you do think about it, do you involve particular people uh, from your organization? For example, a certain um, yeah, security professional or a workers' council in your organization or things like that. And uh, Dirk, you also had a question for the audience before we start, right? Yes, uh, I also have a question. Ethics is always very applied, right? So, um, uh, but you never think of it um, usually. But I would like to hear from you. Um, when you think of doing a good job uh, in practice, uh, can, you, can you think of examples where you as an analyst or process miner have done a good job where you say, yeah, this is really what I wanted to do and this is exactly kind of achieving, meeting the standards, what I'm striving for in my work as an analyst. I would like to know about this. Yeah. Okay, so please uh, join the chat and let us know. And yeah, we, we are going to keep an eye on uh, what you're saying, and uh, we will yeah we will address it throughout throughout the session when when we see it. Okay, so let's dive into it. So what we want to do is we first want to talk a little bit more about these um, yeah, topics mentioned in the title of the today's session, right? Uh, um, security, privacy, ethics, and what does that mean and some aspects that are tied around it. But then we also want to talk a little bit more about the research that's going on in the responsible process mining space today. And then we close out with some, some practical tips. So to get started with... Um, yeah, defining the topic area a little bit. We wanted to start talking about ethics. So yeah, maybe maybe Dirk, maybe you can start talking about what you mean with with uh, yeah doing a good job in in this context. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Um, so yeah, ethics is always a, a word that everybody uses, especially around uh, data science, machine learning, AI. Everybody says says ethics is important. Um, But it's also a scary word because most of us don't have a proper education here. So this is also something that students struggle with when we when we designed a new master, data science and AI. But also when I when I uh, work with students in courses, um, uh, it sounds very abstract. Well, it actually is something very concrete because ethics, um, as far as kind of uh, your work as an analyst is concerned, means doing something in the right way, doing good, right? So ethics is concerned with the good, uh, with the way of doing things good. Um, um, so, uh, and there you can think of good being both the goal, right? The objective, what am I doing, right? Am I helping the company? Uh, do I have, am I helping employees to do their job better? Am I helping uh, uh, improve worker satisfaction, right? This is one angle of good. Um, but another angle of good is um, the way you do the work. 
And I think a very easy analogy to to help you understand this is when you uh, think of uh, what civil engineers are doing. You never think about whether an engineer did a good job when you're using a tunnel or a bridge because you know they did a good job in designing it. Uh -uh. that That has to do with a lot of experience and millennia of work that went into this of how to how to do a good job so um doing a good job to some extent uh, for me is um if the other people who rely on your work don't have to think about whether you did a good job because they can trust it and i think this is something that for me is something i'm striving for but of course this is very difficult um to break down because well on one hand you have this very ambitious goal on the other hand how do you get there yeah i think just to briefly jump in here i think that's a really important point that you're making because often when people talk about like unethical behavior for example right if you're thinking about i don't know finance scandals or things like that you often think about people deliberately deceiving and um, we also know yeah that you can present statistics or analytics in a certain way to make a certain impression or by presenting scales in a particular way that don't show the full scale but just a certain part you can emphasize to create a certain impression right this whole topic like lying with statistics for example but it's not only that but it's also it, it can also be not deliberate and, and can be still as serious so that's what I'm hearing you say when you talk about the engineers, right? This good standards of practices. Yes, absolutely, right? So so in the end, what you see is the outcome that you produce. And uh, I think for most of the people, especially for the students that I see in the courses, they don't have malicious intents when they design an analysis, <laughs> but they don't know what to look for uh, and then end up kind of designing the analysis in the wrong way, drawing wrong conclusions. And um, uh, if you are not properly trained in particular methods, uh, if you do not understand very well what to pay attention to, um, you start making mistakes um, that lead to uh, um, undesired outcomes, right? I think I think that's that's a good way to think about it. What is possibly, uh, what do I have to do to prevent undesired outcomes? Um, yeah. Yeah. Is this, I'm curious, when you're talking about the students, is this something you see students are aware of already in some form, or is this a completely new concept to them when you talk to them about it? Um, I think this is a, it's a very good question, and it's something that you see gradually grow with students. And I think that's probably also something that anybody who starts a career as an analyst starts growing into. Initially, you're, you're just working with the techniques and you try to understand them. And over time, you start realizing, and also the students start realizing, that even if you try apply everything by the textbook, uh, you create effects uh, that you did not intend. So it takes a lot of experience to reach that point and oversight to see, no, actually, I can make different decisions that lead to a better outcome. So this is this is this is a learning curve that we see students and that with with our kind of ongoing evolution in education, we more explicitly drive students to what we are put the nose on that they have choices and they need to make choices in the way they work. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. It's just Yeah, I'm thinking about what we talked a little bit also in, in kind of preparation of this session. We talked about that, yeah, it's because it's a new area, we don't really have those standards yet always, right? It's in a, it's in a way still being in the in the process of being defined and, and what is the good practice to use. And I think that's, uh, Felix, what you also ran into when you had the situation that you wanted to publish this data set, right? There wasn't kind of a standardized way of doing this in the right way. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I think uh, other uh, fields have this much more. And um, maybe, uh, of course, in in computer science, uh, by for example, with a with a privacy question, is that that uh, you you might also pose a question. But there is no privacy problem there. It's just process data, right? So it's just data of of, of activities being done. We are not looking at your shopping behavior usually, or, or something like this. But uh, of course, this is. There are some privacy uh, or uh, other issues with the analysis, and let's say the analyses that that are done they have if they have an effect on the real world. I think that's also maybe a realization that that yeah maybe as a student you don't have, but uh, or you 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 know of course if you ask the student then they say yeah yeah of course they have a re- effect on the real world, but if they really then have an effect on the world then it gets more scary. So that. So for me, it was for example when I when you do research on process mining, then you can uh, of course do a lot of things and uh, and and, and uh, you you'll be confident that this is correct and so on. But then if you give advice to a company, uh, in a way, I think practitioners in process mining uh, are well more trained in that than uh, than researchers or uh, or students because it then does have an effect on the real world. So. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a different type of responsibility, perhaps. Huh? So practitioners, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. Yeah, so when I finished my PhD in Eindhoven, I went to uh, Sintef in Norway, to uh, the research, applied research uh, organization like TNO, and, and, and we had a project where we uh, advised uh, the train uh, infrastructure company. And then I think that was also the same thing for me. I, I realized, oh, okay, what I do as data analysts now uh, has an effect maybe on how they uh, schedule the, uh, the the maintenance work or how much budget they get, and then of course then it has an effect on the real world. Yeah. yeah. So this is something that we also see uh, in the education, right? Um, uh, and then when students start doing their graduation projects, as uh, as a person working in data science, you have a much more immediate effect on the on the real world. Right? As in as a student studying civil engineering, it takes some time until you build your first bridge. But as, as a data science student, even while, before you have your first degree, you maybe have already contributed to an important model to a company that is might be might be used in practice. So um, I think there's also much higher urgency um, to to consider these ethical considerations very early on. And well, if it applies to students, then it certainly applies to people who use very advanced tools. Uh, uh, in, in the application context. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's why I think, yeah, we can be really glad that this is, for example, part of the formal program for, for this new master program, that the people really learn it. Maybe let's just uh, take a quick pause because I've seen that already some uh, people have given us uh, their feedback uh, from, from the questions that we've posed. So let me just... Um, yeah, bring that in and, and let you know what they're saying. So uh, first of all, one uh, person, Mike, says that they are involving the privacy officer. So they have a privacy officer in their organization that when they do a cross-mining project that they involve. So I think that's a really good thing um, to keep in mind and maybe something to watch out for in your own organization because maybe you are not even aware that it exists. But in, I'm, I would say that most organizations today have someone who's responsible for privacy, especially since GDPR was introduced, right? So if you have any doubts around maybe rules or things you have to uh, consider, that's a person that you can talk to. Uh, 
Um, also, Masha says uh, they're in Austria and they involve a workers' council uh, for sure and also information security. So these are groups um, that are getting involved in, in their analysis. And then uh, Mike also gave us some, some feedback in um, yeah, what it means doing good. Um, Dirk, your question, what it means to do, do a good job with cross mining in his opinion. Um, let me see. Let me just read that real quick. Um, yeah, he says, like, uh, let me just read it out. He says, in my experience, doing good with process mining can also uh, be used to do bad. Uh, an event log that contains all the important milestones uh, for management reporting, you also enable management to intervene effectively in the process. But you could also track your employees on a very detailed level and potentially make wrong or incomplete assumptions based on that data. And that's, yeah, that's, that's really kind of the exactly the, the spectrum in which we are which we are in where i think all of this discussion revolves around how to be responsible about it and also i think Dirk is, is partly what you mean right like if you make an analysis that maybe creates a wrong impression that can have real impact on the people yes indeed um so i think the, mike's example is a really good one eh? so so you do your analysis really really well um, but although you do your analysis really well, it could you be used for consequences you did not intend or that maybe even the entire organization doesn't uh, doesn't support it might even be uh, against the law. Um, so uh, suddenly as an analyst, you are uh, in a very interesting dilemma of <laughs> doing your job very well um, or uh, possibly leading to leading to uh, undesired consequences. Or maybe then the question is whether you should do your analysis in a different way that this can't even happen, right? By being aware that if I analyze the data at that detailed level of granularity of employees, I may have undesired side effects, so I should approach the analysis in a different way. Yeah. So that's that's part of this 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 consideration. It's not just saying, okay, this is a bad goal, so we don't do the analysis at all. Maybe doing the analysis differently leads to a better analysis. Right. And there can be also side effects that maybe yeah, other people might have different goals, right? So if you have a certain analysis and maybe something that you did didn't even you didn't even mean to have a certain effect, but someone else might have some intentions or it might be suitable for them to paint your analysis in a certain light for their for for their goal for their agenda so so that they might hijack that in some form so it's there can be different things that are unintended consequences that are really good to think about and be very clear from the beginning so that's one of the tips that we give to people is that they are really clear in the beginning to think about the goal of the analysis so what kind of goal do they have why do they want to do this um, cross mining analysis and um, then to just for example only use the data that they need specifically for that goal and also communicate to all people what the goal is so then it's if it's such well so well defined then it's i think harder to yeah fall off the wagon if you will yes absolutely i agree Anna. Uh, i think uh, you mentioned uh, can I say uh, two key points already right so what is your goal right so what are you aiming both where the situation that you're in and maybe also the objectives that you try to achieve with that analysis maybe the particular transformation uh, uh, or, or compliance status that you would like to achieve then the data that is being recorded and the third element in there is the, is the tools that you are using for this analysis uh, not every tool is right for the data that you have 
and the goals that you have have in mind. So you have to kind of get all these three things uh, yeah, in sync. Well, your, yeah. uh, your, your starting point and goal, the, what is in the, real, in the real world, the data and the tools. And only if you get these three things fitting together, you are doing a good job. This is how yeah. we kind of break it down to students and um, um, how you can all apply it to almost all kinds of situations. Right? What is my goal? Uh, what is the data and what are the tools? Yeah, and that's. I think we you brought a visual for that, right? Maybe we can just bring it on briefly here to uh, to support that. Um, I think it's coming up now. Yes. So, yes. so that's exactly the three components that you you mentioned, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. And what we what we typically do, do when we think of doing a data analysis, we go forward. Right? We we are in the reality. We decide which data to record. We pre-process it. We visualize it. We apply our favorite process mining tool. We get insights and then we draw conclusions. But The critical path is always also the backwards path, right? So to think of, is the model that I've designed here right for the question? Is the data that I'm recording adequate for the question? Should I be doing it differently? And also the, the model or the techniques I'm applying, are they, are they right? So um, this, is a, this is a picture that I uh, often draw up when discussing uh, with my students and also uh, with, uh, with uh, other colleagues where I do an analysis. Um, um, yeah, where are we in the, in the current discussion of achieving our goals? Um, And it helps to kind of reconsider whether we maybe made a choice in one of these steps that we should reconsider to do a better job. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yes, I think in terms of the the ethics part, so we were talking about doing a good job in the yeah in the context of the whole ethics component of, of the title. And I think there what comes across here a little bit and I think is important is First of all, to be really aware that you have this responsibility, right? So I think if people know that, then they have all the tools or they can get the tools um, to do it right. And then they can consider all of these these dimensions. But yeah, so be the person who thinks about that from the beginning and don't be surprised if someone asks you later, but be be the one who, who proactively considers this from the beginning in their project. Okay, so... I think yeah let's let's leave it at that for the for the ethics part and briefly also talk about the the other two components I think security and and privacy are kind of other dimensions of what's also playing in this in this whole space I, I think security is just related to yeah general just in general vulnerabilities um, specifically around the data right so if Uh, when you analyze data with process mining, then um, you need to extract data from a system and you need to analyze it. So where the data is, um, is, is something that you need to think about. So for example, um, yeah, if you're transporting the data somehow, can it be leaked somehow in the transport, right? So if you just put it on a memory stick, for example, it's very easy to lose this memory stick. So maybe the memory stick should be encrypted or maybe you shouldn't put it on a memory stick in the first place. And the same applies also to process mining tools. So for example, can you just upload the data in the cloud or is it maybe better to use a local um, process mining tool or if, yeah, like Disco or Prom or um, if you have a cloud-based tool, maybe use it on-premise prem, on uh, rather than uploading data without, you know, knowing what is what is happening there. So I think all of these are security considerations. I'm, I'm curious, uh, Felix, in the whole research space around responsible process mining, is kind of security and that there might be a threat towards, you know, really security attacks, is, is that something that people also... 
use prosmining for or develop methods around? Yes. Uh, so actually, uh, we are. Uh, I'm organizing a workshop at the ICPM conference. It's uh, called workshop on trust, privacy, and security aspects in uh, process analytics. I think the the focus in the security part has been mainly on using process mining for analyzing security. So you can uh, imagine that that you might want to uh, use process mining, for example, to uh, to detect people with strange access patterns or something like this. So that's definitely a problem in in a lot of uh, or in in organizations that say let's say deal with sensitive data so uh, yeah a police force or something like this where you could then use process mining to detect unusual access to to information i think the the aspect of let's say uh, secure uh, security of event logs or securing event logs that hasn't been uh, touched upon so much yeah. yeah. The first the first point you just mentioned is also interesting. Sometimes people ask me like can prosmining be used to detect uh, security problems or violations? So like you're saying applying prosmining to this kind of class of problems rather than the other way around saying something about the technique itself and so usually I think there are other methods outside of process mining more in the whole machine learning data science space that are yeah specializing on that and I think what I see where prosmining can be useful and is sometimes used is more kind of in a forensic way that if there has been an attack somewhere then because prosmining has this explanatory power and this visualization capability it can be really nice to basically f follow what happened or visualize and explain what has happened in an in incident for example so I've yeah I've seen it used there a few times but yeah yeah, yeah that, that, that's what I meant basically the the afterwards the analysis of what the postmortem kind of uh, in in the security world i think so like trying to figure out why why facebook went down uh, a few days ago right so they could yeah. use process mining i guess but but probably they know why so uh, maybe for the workshop there is one paper that that was accepted actually that talks about uh, trust aware interorganizational process and mining and they uh, so that's going to be presented so i i, I don't uh, that it's not not public yet, but uh, it's uh, it looks at hardware guarantees. So I think that's an interesting uh, first step. So the the setting that they are evaluating or that they are analyzing is is basically uh, how can I can I make sure that data isn't leaked in the cloud, for example. Yeah. So that would not be privacy for me because it's it's actually not. Uh, protecting or somehow uh, making sure that you uh, that, that that you cannot identify people but it's really just about preventing data leakage so that's more that's an example actually of a paper that that is in the security domain and uh, on event logs right yeah. interesting yes yeah. and we will um throughout all the yeah the, the things we mentioned here in the session we will link to them like the workshop for example that uh, felix is organizing but also yeah other things we're mentioning here we will uh, include the pointers with when we when we publish the recording later on so you can receive them and, and read these things in, in more detail as well um yeah so one additional uh, point uh, just um, came just in through the chat that maybe i can can bring in right now is basically connecting a little bit uh, to the discussion from before more talking about ethics and doing a good job where mike says that um yeah one way to mitigate 
part of the potential a potential negative impact is to always start from the premise that um, what you're analyzing are observations, but that these observations are not necessarily the complete reality. And this is true, right? We know also as researchers, but general uh, in general as post miners, we know that the data isn't everything. So we see some things that happen, and of course data quality, that's a whole different topic. So can you trust the data and is this really reflecting what happened? But even if that's the case, it never um, shows the whole truth, right? There's always going to be aspects of the process that are not in the data at all. So um, whether this is about incentives around the process or the activity that's going on, or whether maybe um, the type of cases that people are working on, whether they're maybe difficult or easy, for example, that there could be things that are not in the data that we are not seeing. So that's really also something we need to be aware of. So part of the responsibility is also this awareness um, that we're looking at limited, limited part of the reality, if you will. Yeah, so I think that's a good, good addition, Mike. So thanks, thanks, for, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, the third, uh, maybe let's go to the third piece of the, yeah, of the topics or the overall topic, uh, which is then privacy. Um, so here it's really about, yeah, the, the data that is being analyzed, that it impacts people uh, who are reflected in the data. And I think in process mining we see, or in general in processes, this can relate to customers. So if a process involves customer steps or customer data, of course, that's then privacy relevant for the customers, but it also involves employees working in the organization. Um, so, yeah, so GDPR obviously has created much more awareness around that. So, yeah, maybe just um, as a question for both of you, has there been specific research uh, around GDPR and Uh, event logs um, in the past? Yes, <laughs> but do, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yes, so, so I think you have a more elaborate answer, but uh, uh, some things, of course, I also have seen. So I think, uh, so first of all, within our research group, GDPR is a very big topic uh, as, a, as in a large, very large European project um, where, where in, a, in a primarily in a forensic way, uh, but then also in an operational way, try to see where GDPR uh, um, compliance or violations are, are happening and then also to kind of design processes to make them uh, uh, more GDPR compliant. Um, so this is this is on the on the on, on the reflection side and it relates also a bit to the security uh, point that we've had earlier so where um, if people can have access to data that they're not supposed to be having access then of course this is also say say a GDPR issue maybe not in the in the security sense that uh, people gain access to data that kind of in a malicious way but they see data that they're not supposed to be seeing and there's also techniques that are here researched at the security group at TU Eindhoven that kind of also can even do this in a in a, in a runtime setting where the context of the process, where am I in a particular stage based on the activities that I have been following so uh, at the moment, should I now be having access to a particular piece of data or not, right? Because the right to be able to access data is context dependent. It's not, it's not universal. In some situations, I have the right to see student information because I'm, uh, I'm deciding the admission of a student to the program. Uh, in other situations, I should not be seeing the student uh, information. And here, process information is very important. So, so it's not just forensic, it's also very operational. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's, 
that's a that's a really good point. I think for organizations, the whole introduction of GDPR really has um, created like a routine and the necessi necessity, like you were saying, saying to think about, well, what kind of data do I actually need? And for which purpose, right? You need to, in a way, justify, like, for for which reason are you collecting data? And it needs to be for, yeah, legitimate uh, business-related reasons. And then there's also rules around how you ask, have to ask for permission uh, about about using about using that data. And so thinking about which data you have and whom this data relates to and who should be seeing it for which purpose, that's yeah, essentially what yeah what what you really need to do and be really clear about yeah, yeah i think one thing and that's maybe if we're thinking about like uh, cross mining projects it can involve different people right so for example sometimes there are external parties um, that are being brought in um, sometimes uh, companies work together with universities or they work uh, together with external consultancies for example um, and that's another thing if, um, if they have to share data or maybe like uh, like uh, you are doing at the Eindhoven University uh, that you are sharing yeah, creating data sets that are um, even released to the public um, yeah These are situations where you really need to think about also hiding certain aspects of the data, right? And you can always leave out something completely, but one uh, one way to deal with um, hiding sensitive uh, data while still being able to use it in some form is to use anonymization. And so maybe that's also something we can we can briefly talk about here because I think it could be, um, yeah relevant for for people to know that they can actually do that also uh, with with a cross mining tool like for example prom or disco um that you can actually i can actually show this just briefly i have um disco here that when you have a data set and imagine make, maybe that you're um the data analyst within your organization and you want to analyze a process together with a group of people but you are responsible you are kind of the interface between the it that gets the data and um, the team that is then doing a more detailed analysis on it so you can decide what data you actually want to pass on to the other team members and you're preparing this data set so first of all during the import step you can maybe decide which data you don't want right so for example if i go back here um for example like we said before in, in some regions like for example germany or austria uh, there's a very strong tradition of a workers council where um, they protect particularly the employees which are working in the organization so for example the the person who's performing a particular step in the process um, that's information that you for example would not uh, import in the first place right so even if it's in the data you can choose not to import it and um, yeah, then you you don't have that available, and you export the data for the team to do the further analysis. But also, even yeah, if you want to keep the data, then you can anonymize the data, and that's something when you export, for example, here, um, you can choose which aspect of the event log you want to anonymize. And um, so here, for example, the resources have been chosen to be anonymized. And what this means is when you export the data, then the anonymized data will keep the same identifier for um, yeah, the same person. So if, for example, Dirk has done one step in the process and then another in another case, um, 
again, um, he was doing the same process, then it would be replaced by the same value, right? For example, resource one and would be the same resource one in, in the other case. Um, so in that sense, what you're doing is you're preserving the pattern the patterns in the process, but you're removing the names. And that can be something that's also maybe making it less threatening. So if you're even having workshops or discussions within the organization, um, not having the names there yeah, plainly can make people feel maybe less threatened because that's another thing that process planning is doing, right? Is that it's creating, yeah, it makes things very transparent and not everyone is comfortable with that. So... Yeah, I'm just uh, yeah curious. Does, does this whole yeah anonymization um, aspect is that something that you that you use for the publication, obviously, but also in in other in other places? Yes, so uh, I think it's a very interesting topic, and uh, it's interesting that you called it anonymization because, in a way, this this is pseudonymization, right? So you're you're uh, you're creating a, a pseudonym for for, for the uh, resources. That's a good. Let's let's get the definitions yes. right. So we have the terms. So, so my understanding was always like that. Pseudonymization is when you have a mapping so that you can actually reverse. Yes. Um, the, yeah, you can reverse back to the full data. But if you don't provide the mapping, then then you anonymize. How would you make the distinction uh, between those two? And maybe there's even more concepts that are more fine-grained around this. Yeah, there's there's a lot of concepts in uh, regarding anonymity of, of, of data and privacy. And let's say a lot of it actually comes from, from the larger statistical databases that are released, right? So there there is... A, the whole research field on on on, on uh, this disclosure of data through statistics, and uh, so uh, there's a large range of definitions, let's say, of of uh, the level of anonymization you can get. So there uh, is something, and then maybe a lot of you have come across this because in the U.S. definitely there has been a large discussion, at least in the in the statistical community, uh, on uh, differential privacy. So where you really uh, have a mathematical guarantee that you cannot, uh, let's say, uh, rediscover a person in this, this data set, in yeah. the statistical sense, right? So I don't want to give the definition now, but uh, and then it can, can be read, and I think there's also very accessible uh, information on the, on the internet to, to, to uh, understand this. What's maybe important there is, and this is a real challenge, I think, in the process mining uh, context, is to understand that, uh, for example, if you just throw away the mapping to your pseudonymization, so you kind of throw away the key. That's not the same as not being able to uh, reverse engineer this, right? So you you can always assume, and that's maybe uh, goes into the direction from the beginning. What is a good engineer, and then and what what are the ethical problems that you might encounter, right? So I think then depending on the your answer to this question, you need to be aware that somebody might be able to uh, reverse engineer this and there's a very simple example is of course if you're in a small or medium-sized enterprise and uh, there's just a few people doing a specific uh, step in the process uh, and then it's very easy to read it yeah. by that person so everybody knows that that uh, i don't know mike is doing this right so yeah. then uh, then that was not really useful to do the the anonymization in, in that sense yeah 
That's a that's a really good example. Also, maybe relating to what Dirk was saying at the beginning with these unintended consequences, right? That's like you think you're doing a good job, you're hiding uh, you're hiding that information. But if it's the same applies, I think maybe a patient who has a very rare disease, if there's just one or two people, or maybe you're talking about a, a place where they live, which is really small. So it's very easy just bringing in maybe two pieces of information, and you're you have narrowed it down essentially to this one person. Uh, or just a few, so it's not anonymous anymore. Yeah. yeah. And what is very, makes this very difficult in process mining is that we have the timestamp data. It's so important to us in the analysis, yeah. but uh, because of the timestamp, it's very easy to see particular temporal patterns. And even if you anonymize very well in a large organization, but if you see a certain resource that you've anonymized is not working on particular days or stops working at particular hours, I think you have a very high chance of finding back who that person is if you otherwise know uh, who the people are in the organization. Yeah? Yeah, no, that's so true. This, is a, this is a big challenge. And I think it's also something to keep in mind when you do a practical analysis. The timestamps reveal a lot of information, well, for good and for bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. And I think what I'm seeing here is a little bit also maybe a difference in what you're preparing the data for. So if you uh, prepare it for an internal analysis within your company and uh, you do this within your team with the goal to improve the process, I think it's a very different thing compared to when you publish the data, for example, for external people to, to analyze it, right? Or to give it ex give access to, to some form to the outside. I think there really is a line. And, um, and, and, and yeah, so the, the ways how you can reveal... Uh, or trace back the information are yeah there's there's always <laughs> even more ways than than you maybe think about i mean even if we pick the example here uh, with uh, with the resources let's say we hide the people's name right so we anonymize resources we use this anonymized data set for our post mining analysis and let's say maybe that even uh, it's not the case that there's just a certain task which is just performed by one person so we automatically know who it is but it could be everyone because everyone is doing everything but even then if we don't anonymize the case ids uh, once i have the case id for a case that took you know maybe very very long or is a kind of a problematic one you can always go back to the operational system and uh, type in the case id and there you will see of course the people who are involved in it so in a way you can always trace back um, yeah who these people are and so what we see is usually that what what is a good uh, goal perhaps for this type of internal um, yeah anonymization or data preparation is to yes only extract the data that you need and yes perhaps anonymize uh, the resources not to create this kind of um, yeah, the reaction of the people, you know, that they don't feel threatened. Like someone in the <coughs> chat also actually highlighted that that they also yeah that they also experience that that once the names of the people are shown somewhere that people you know get really tense and, and don't like that feeling of being observed but that ultimately with if you use pros money within your organization the goal is to build up uh, a, a culture around improvement and a cooperative culture where people build trust right so you they build trust in your goals and what you want to do with the analysis 
and ultimately are on board with what you're doing and are doing it together as a team. And in that sense, you can then actually work with open data as much as possible. I think that should be the goal because the more you hide, then also you lose um, analysis possibilities. If I anonymize the case IDs, I can't trace them back anymore to individual operational cases in the system. So I can't do the data validation as well. And I can't do the follow-up to actually do the improvements, right? So it's clearly kind of this kind of trade-off that we have here. Yeah, I mean, can I, I, I would just, so, I mean, sure. some, pe some people, I think, especially in the, in the, in the privacy domain, would, would say this is, this is not a trade, it shouldn't be a trade-off, right? So you, you, you should actually, and that's maybe now the, the, the research goal from very computer science side, I, of course, want to provide a method where you don't have to make that trade-off, right? So that's, that would be the, the holy grail there, that I give you the privacy-preserving uh, process mining method, and you don't need to care about it right so and and but very clearly that's not there so there's of course uh, lots of different ideas so maybe to just drop one you could for example instead of just anonym uh, pseudonymizing you could look at uh, on on the group level on privacy right so that that the simple thing you could do is you could say let's not have activities or uh, edges in my uh, in my process map where there is less than 10 times that it occurs so then your the, the the chances get lower that that you immediately can spot somebody but i think i also fully agree let's say not just from a process uh, from a computer science perspective i agree with you that it's a lot about the 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 culture right so uh, in the end, the name of the people is in the operational systems, and it should be there, right? So uh, this is also you're doing the work in a professional context. So yeah. if I give a student a grade, then my name is there because that's what I did. So uh, yeah. it needs to be traceable. You know, I'm not private, private, right? I don't have the right uh, to be private. Or uh, yeah. if I'm a pilot in a plane, then there's a black box. Uh, I actually like that analogy because I would like and, uh, and and there maybe I also have some questions uh, for 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 practitioners to to give us some uh, some examples of things that they would need uh, is if you would have a black box in or consider some parts of this process mining analysis more of a black box that's opened in case there is a problem and and other things they are uh, they are transparent and everybody is aware right so that that could be maybe a nice way of doing it because i think for some part of the analysis you only need statistics and there let's say the privacy preserving methods that we develop they are not yet in the commercial tools but but maybe in a few years they can really serve a purpose so if you have a large uh, accounts payable process uh, thousands of cases every week or something like this then then you can guarantee privacy and you can derive statistical conclusions uh, on a large scale. And then for other things, it's more about uh, compliance or workarounds and these things. And then maybe you need to agree with the works council or with your employees that this data is only opened with a good case, uh, when there is a good case for opening it, right? And then yeah. everybody should actually be happy that it's looked at because everyone wants to kind of improve these processes, right? So it should not be that privacy is uh, is preventing improve, uh, improvement there. Uh, yeah. I think then that's the wrong uh, way to see it. 
I think that's a that's a nice way of looking at it. So if I understand you correctly, so the question is also maybe to the people watching and gen in general, what you as a researcher are as a researcher are interested in getting feedback on is like if you see this as a black box, what should be in the black box and what should be outside of the black box? So where do are the boundaries and um, under which circumstances maybe people would want to look inside the black box if that's hidden away from the regular part of the analysis? Yeah, or in, in a way, what what would be uh, the when it regards privacy? What would be the actual real life problems that need to be solved? Right. So I'm. Uh, it's very easy as a computer science to solve the the absolute problem of provable. I cannot re-identify somebody, but mm -hmm. uh, that might be not very useful yeah. to people, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, and I think that's uh, in a way lucky for for process mining in general. I think we have the advantage that usually in practice, the goal is not to find ways to make people work faster, for example, right? And to check that instead of uh, four minutes, they now spend three minutes on this task. I mean, there are environments where it's very much coming down to that. I think call centers very much, you know, operate on that level. And I think there are also everyone who works in a call center is monitored down to the second of what they're doing when and, and I think evaluated there. But usually that's not what the goal of a prosmining analysis is. But usually we're looking for all of these um, kind of waiting times. Usually the, the, the idle times and the waiting times and delays, times lost due to rework or um, yeah, just uh, that things are being left somewhere that's uh, magnitudes higher compared to yeah, just the time that someone actually spends on a particular task. So usually people are looking for these type of idle times and uh, reducing the need for rework and to streamline the process, reduce variation. So that's very much on the process level. It's usually really not about um, yeah, blaming particular employees, but they still will have the fear, which I also totally understand. So if you're not used to being that transparent, I think people are afraid of being blamed. So that's why actually not misusing it in that way uh, and having a good practice, but then also building trust with them um, is, is like an important thing to yeah. do. I mean, you have the data, right? That's that's a bit of the problem here. You can also do the other thing. But then you, if you have the data for a process mining analysis, you have the data also in your operational system. So yeah. uh, then, then why go through the hassle of, <laughs> of, of this process mining, right? So maybe the fear there is that uh, it has been safeguarded in the operational system. And people don't have access to, and now there's maybe this backdoor of, of, yeah. of, of putting performance uh, uh, management on there. So there was yeah. a workshop last year at ICPM where we actually had an industry panel, and uh, that was also interesting because let's say the people participating gave the idea: okay, in in some case it doesn't, there's no privacy problem because of these accounts payable processes that I just mentioned. So there's lots of people. This is repeated a lot of times, so nobody would bother of of, of looking through that. But then uh, somebody also said it's also very culture dependent. So let's say in, in, in different regions of the world, uh, the first thing that would be asked is uh, who is the lowest performer. Yeah. And, and that's, the, yeah, can also be used for that, of course. And I think it could be regional, but it's also company culture, I think, related. So, yeah, so this is yeah, interesting. What I would like to... What yeah, I would please. like to add to this discussion is um, I like the analogy of the black box because it also helps to understand, right, not just look at the risks of uh, doing a data analysis with process mining, but also, I mean, there's value uh, uh, in applying process mining in the first place. So we, we 
the event logs and the process mining analysis are the black box for an organization, right? So, so where, where are things going wrong? Where do, are we not reaching our goal as an organization? And not in a performance sense, but just in a, achieving our goals together. Right? Also, employee satisfaction is a, is a big factor, right? So sometimes that gets lost in this discussion about ethics. You always look at the, at the risks. But um, I think thinking back of the, of the triangle that I showed earlier, process mining is a tool that allows you together with the right data achieve goals that you otherwise cannot reach. So using process mining is also a way to just good, do the good job uh, for the organization. And then, uh, yeah, we're, I think we're closing the circle by by uh, um, bringing the people on board, and then maybe also making employees that are involved uh, involved in the analysis aware that maybe your name shows up, but it's not about you; it's about the organization and kind of how we can help you uh, work better. Um, you, you achieve that uh, that objective then. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just I wanted to say something which I just forgot, but I also wanted to uh, check um, the comments because we have had some more input from the from the chat. Let's, let me just um, check that and see whether I can read it out. Oh yeah, I think Chris also had a question um, about what the underlying philosophical foundations are. Uh, typically, uh, when we are talking about security, privacy, ethics, uh, and data and process work, he was asking, is it Aristotle, Machiavelli, Kant, etc.? Does it go back there? I wouldn't know, but maybe any of you know about any uh, kind of uh, philosophical so was, links? <laughs> I was afraid that that kind of, kind of question would come. Um, to, to be honest, uh, uh, this is also something I'm just educating myself on, right? So, mm. uh, uh, I mean, I think every philosopher in history has something to say about ethics. Um, so in that sense, you're largely free to pick uh, the philosopher <laughs> you like. Um, uh, for me personally, uh, I keep it with Kant to some extent, right? It, uh, it helps. Um, um, but that, that's now my very personal opinion. And I think the, the, the discussion is a bit broader. Um, and I think it's also very much ongoing. When you think, look at the, at the ethics discussion, one of the interesting points is that um, when you think of ethics, typically it's considered uh, right um, good for the world, good towards society, right? So objectively good. Whereas what we have been discussing is uh, good in kind of um, doing a good job. And these two uh, are not the same, but they are connected. They form some kind of spectrum. And this is, um, uh, as we're developing this new master together with my colleagues also in Eindhoven, this is a discussion we're having at the moment. It's something that philosophy never really looks at um, or not, not mainstream. So um, um, it's a very good question uh, for uh, which I don't have a very good answer. <laughs> It's a it's a very good answer for now. I think. Um, I think if you would have an answer, then that would be <laughs> very good, right? So. Now, I think one thing that we also wanted to make sure, right? So we we talked a little bit about, yeah, these these different areas um, that evolve around responsible process mining, kind of from a practical perspective and these different dimensions and aspects there. But there's also a scientific framework and we wanted to talk a little bit about the research um, that is that is going on in the process mining space um, there. And uh, so, yeah, we, we'll include some links also, but uh, there's kind of this picture here that uh, Felix shared with us where essentially in this framework, 
there's four different categories that are overlapping or is basically a different way of um, looking at the same space that we have been talking about all the time already. Um, and it's um, coming down to FACT, FACT, right? So it's fairness, accuracy, transparency, and confidentiality. And yeah, we wanted to also go through those concepts uh, briefly and explain what they mean and maybe what some, some research, active research is going on in this space. So let's start with accuracy, perhaps. Can you explain what accuracy means in this? Yeah, so, um, yep. uh, <laughs> so uh, accuracy um, in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a classical sense or kind of in the, in the typical sense of data science is um, how well does the model, right? so, so, so the process map or my analysis, the prediction model, whatever I have created, describe, well, either reality or data. So already there you have to start making a distinction. Are you trying to just summarize the data really well? Or are you also trying to kind of generalize and go beyond what's, uh, what's not in the data? Maybe because you try to have a prediction model that, uh, that goes a bit, uh, well, that necessarily has to function over data you haven't seen yet. Um, I think for most of us, it's, uh, it's uh, easier to think of uh, uh, accuracy regarding the data, right? the event log that we have, that we're working with, because we often look at, uh, at, uh, back at the history. And um, uh, in that sense, accuracy means the, the process map, the process model that I see, the graph, really summarizes the data well for the analysis task that I, that I uh, have, right? the question that I want to answer. I can trust the picture that I see to give me a good answer for my question. Right, right. Mm, and how is this difference different from transparency, for example? Yes, I mean, you can be, uh, you, you can be very accurate in describing what, what Dick said, your, your event data, but uh, that, that doesn't necessarily need that, that people put, put trust in your, uh, in your analysis. Right, so uh, you can have a very accurate model, um, but it's not clear where it comes from. Right, so um, I think process mining actually has a as a very uh, as a technique uh, is by uh, is by nature quite of very transparent. That's that's really good of process mining, right? So you, in in the end, uh, let's say if you show process maps, you're just showing the data. That's just the data. So. Uh, then, then you achieve transparency and accuracy uh, if you have a process like this. Yeah, it gets harder good... if the process is complex, right? So then, <laughs> right, right. No, but it's a good point because if you're looking at other uh, techniques from the data mining world, right? So there you have some methods like neural networks or um, methods like that, which are truly a black box. So you can train them, and they can be very accurate, and they can have very good results, but you don't understand how how they work. So in that sense, for any kind of post-mining analysis, you can always kind of trace back and see exactly, for example, which filters were applied or which steps you have taken to get to the to the result. Is, is this what you mean? or? Yeah, it's, it's a bit. Of course, we, we have the problem in the process mining world as well. If you go on, on, on let's say, more complex models that include parallelism and, 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 and these kind of things, right? So we had in the research community ongoing discussion on on what what measures actually fitness and precision and these these uh, yeah concepts uh, and I think it's still ongoing. So uh, there are some measures that are not good in all the cases. So then then the question is, uh, yeah, 
is this actually showing uh, showing the real world? There's of yeah. course, I think, in uh, under transparency, uh, w w I would also include, uh, and it's connected with accuracy for me. There, um, let's say, the question of of, of data quality. So you. Uh, because you you can have uh, uh, let's say uh, unexpected data problems in your in your event log, and uh, and then like Duke said, then again you can very accurately describe the data, but it might not be described the real world. Right, right. Oh, interesting. So I I would have thought that that would have been accuracy, for example, that the data isn't accurate and therefore the the results aren't accurate. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you have uh, inaccurate data, you can still create an accurate model on it, right? So, so this yeah. is uh, the technique can work very well. The tool can work very well in describing the data that you have, but if you know the data is inaccurate, then I think it's a it's a property of transparency to show that. Eh? So, we don't. The typical example is timestamps recorded on the granularity of a day, right? So, mm -hmm. and then you now try to identify the order of steps. Um, um, and well, performance analysis is out of question, but you just try to try to understand whether the process has been followed in the in the right order. And if you just have uh, timestamps on the on the level of a day, then you have to rely on the on the ordering that has been written into your into the event log or the manual uh, ordering that has been applied. But an interesting research question is there: if you are not sure about your ordering. How can you make this also visible in the in, in the model, in the analysis result? And that has, again, of course, to do with doing a good job. When you're not sure, also show that you're not sure, because that is a more honest way of, uh, of doing your analysis than pretending you know and giving a precise model with exact ordering of steps when, when you actually are not. So in that sense, it's, uh, uh, it's more transparency than an accuracy issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. That's indeed one of the practices also when you're evaluating the quality of the data, that that's one of the first things you need to find out how maybe for some of the attributes you have just for example, 10% of the values are filled with a value and 90% are empty, um, then that's maybe, yeah, that's certainly not an attribute that should be used for the analysis. But yeah, so determining which parts of the data are trustworthy and complete enough to be used. Again, everything coming back to this good practice and doing a good job. And um, these are things every pros mining miner should do to do a good data quality check before they do the analysis. So I see how that fits in there. Yeah. I think actually that that's my limited practical experience uh, is that that process mining itself is actually a good quality check usually of data. So because because of this temporal nature, so you will find uh, issues uh, or you'll see issues if there is problems with with, this, with the ordering or with the timestamps. And uh, that was at least uh, something that that I think in the in the cases I I, I did practical analysis. Um, not sure if this would have been caught if you just go and and build a regression model or something on it, right? So you you might not mm. never have realized that this data is actually completely wrong, and uh, this can be really complex, right? So what we, for example, did uh, at one point is uh, we looked at the distribution of the of the minute in the timestamp, but just the last digit of the minute. Mm -hmm. If zero and five peak, uh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's uh, and 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 then there's lots of other things, right? And there's research on them, uh, 
uh, luckily now a lot of research actually starts to be made on on the typical data quality problems and that's maybe also something interesting for people to look into because i think so especially the the group in in queensland and brisbane is doing a lot there and it's very very practical and applied so it's really like a taxonomy of different things that can happen and uh, and there's i think also uh, yeah people here uh, building tools uh, in the netherlands uh, to to investigate these these data quality issues right right and we yeah we will we will let's make sure we link to some of those uh, yeah. some of this work that has already been done in this area i completely agree i think that's very relevant and um and much more advanced than what you would do like just from a practical perspective right so as a practitioner usually what um, is important is that you do these kind of Uh, validations to see whether it makes sense right so there's certain checklists that you can do and things like that but like advanced things like for example how is the distribution of timestamps for example these are things that that are kind of in a different space but also i completely agree with what you said before is that often through cross-mining analysis people find out that they have problems with their data so data problems become apparent for the first time because nobody has really looked at that data from this angle yet and then sometimes this has implications i have seen more than one example where people have told me that after the postmining analysis they have found some data issues that actually had an impact on the reports right the performance reports they have in their bi tooling that nobody noticed so all the time essentially they have been operating based on wrong um yeah bi reports um, with data quality problems in there that nobody had discovered before so that, that's transparency through process mining right could be, <laughs> it could be a slogan somewhere that's <laughs> a good one yes and uh, but uh, related to transparency uh, there's there's another kind of uh, corner of this uh, of this space is uh, what what process mining tools at the moment cannot handle very well and one thing that we've just noticed is uh, timestamp granularity but another is uh, what do you how do you deal with data that has multiple uh, case identifier columns, right? So when we analyze uh, order to cash processes, person churches to pay processes, then we have many candidate uh, case identifiers. And that's uh, a very big uh, um, part of the analysis to pick the right one in order to do this. Um, but the research is going in the direction to work with multiple case identifiers at the same time. And this is... Um, because you know you have more than one object uh, working, right? So Will Thunder is uh, calling this object-centric process mining. I call this uh, multi-dimensional or multi-entity process mining. It has many different words, but the fact is you're dealing with multiple things. And um, if you notice this in the data, then also your analysis has to deal with it. And there are very practical things you can do. Uh, but the research is concerned with kind of making it easier to deal with it. Um, okay. Discovering models where you see multiple objects evolve and synchronize at the same time so this is a, this is a very fascinating uh, research area um, yeah. and that has a lot to do with a, a transparent analysis which then in the end also leads to more accurate models right so the, the two are very closely related yeah yeah it's about also finding the right representation for the the real process that you want to analyze right and sometimes you want to show it from a certain angle but maybe sometimes you want to show it all together so based on what you are trying to do and to whom you want to show it you, you need to find the right way of right way of of, of analyzing it yeah, yeah inter- interpretability is also important yeah. right so i think that's I think there has been some research now but uh it's uh so how do people actually understand the models and yeah. uh, that's 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 not so even though even the 
directly follows graph, which are actually quite simple. They they are not always interpreted right and uh, or, or derived uh, representations. So that's yeah. at least my impression when I try to teach it to postgraduate students, even so students that that know a little bit about about these things. But uh, um, yeah, that that then they they misinterpret, for example, in disco actually the, the what they see. <laughs> so uh, that that you need to be taught, and yeah, I think that just gets harder by with with multi-dimensional process. <laughs> yes, it it definitely does, and but it also un interpretability is really important f to build trust, right? If people want to trust what they see, then that's really essential. So it's a really yeah, it's a good 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 component, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, Dirk, you also brought an example for from a research project. Does this fit into this um, um, this whole aspect of how people can read and understand? Yes, yes, the absolutely. Maps? Yes. Uh, so, so, uh, let me bring this up. I think I have this here. It's a separate slide. Yeah, so you made yes. a, you brought a picture. You should see yeah. it now. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is an example where we where we. Well, it, I think it again has to do with with very much with, with transparency. Uh, but then also links to accuracy. So what we see here on this uh, uh, on, on this slide is um, uh, three different process models on the same data, discovered with three very different process discovery techniques. And we did a study where we asked analysts to mark which parts of the data they think is represented well in the process model and where do they understand the process model in relation to the data, right? That's marked in green. And which parts they don't understand, uh, that's too complicated or what they, what they see a mismatch. So you very clearly see people judge these models very differently, also different parts of the model. So there's certain preferences for, for structures uh, that we've seen that, uh, that users prefer understanding because they maybe are a bit more familiar with, right? They, they trust concurrency is the, is, the, is the prime example, right? The, in, in academic research, we very much focus on discovering parallelism and concurrency. And in practice, um, uh, it's difficult because it's, it's a difficult concept. And also our algorithms at the moment are maybe a bit too eager to discover concurrency. So not every parallelism that has been found is a, is a good one. So um, such, such analysis, uh, I think, is something that we need to do more in, uh, in process mining research, where we a bit better understand what do users, consumers of process mining analysis actually uh, um, uh, trust in when they kind of uh, see, see the analysis results and then kind of they see, they see the link to the data and it, for them uh, the model is then accurate. I mean, um, none of these models uh, are, um, is, is uh, showing the data 100%. So it's always just focusing on, a, focusing on a particular aspect. Apparently, some models leaving out certain things more are more trusted by users than others. So this is this is an interesting research question, um, and I think we still have lots of lots to do uh, in research to to uh, um, yeah close this gap um, between your yeah, user expectations of what is a what is an, a good model when we have done a good job uh, uh, in process mining, and what the tools at the moment uh, can do. Uh, yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, I think this is really a really interesting space where researchers can really spend time and do systematic studies, right, to look at these aspects that, yeah, that are very hard to kind of approach just from a practical perspective. 
Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. So we will share the, the links to, the, to that as well. Maybe looking at the, the spectrum again for the responsible process mining, uh, we talked about accuracy and transparency. Um, the third one would be confidentiality, right? So that's, I think, related to all the, what we talked about, uh, anonymization, pseudonymization. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about yet that also falls in here? Well, I think we, we talked about most of it. So uh, from the research side, I think there there is a community now. So let's say four years ago or so, actually after I finished my PhD, I would have written the paper with nobody has ever cared about this, that that you cannot write anymore. So there there has been uh, research going on, adapting, let's say, the, the standard uh, confidentiality or privacy concepts onto process mining. So things like differential privacy, k-anonymity, but also... Uh, encryption themes schemes so that you can basically compute on encrypted data so there's uh, let's say this basic work has been done um, there are some some more challenges of course uh, to be solved uh, and then it's a hard problem because of the sequential nature I think that but that we talked about it right it's a bit like the COVID tracker that would uh, uh, let's say uh, track all your location trajectory nobody wants this right in, in Norway actually they try to introduce it while I was still there and, and that got a lot of backlash uh, for rightfully because this is data that's incredibly hard to anonymize again, right? So if you look where the people are most common, then that's at home especially when they need to be at home and they cannot do anything. So uh, that, that that's uh, clear and it's the same problem as in processes because you have the sequential the, the, the nature of, of things. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's mainly what, you, what I can say. I think there's Again, with the timestamp, there's, of course, something practical you can do, right? So I'm not sure if, if let's say, if you anonymize it, you, you do this, but uh, you, you can, of course, also shift these timestamps a bit, like timestamps shifting uh, without destroying the, the usefulness. That could be something, making them more granular could help, uh, and, and then these kind of things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Right, and this brings us to the last one, fairness. So what is fairness in this context? So this is a tough one. Um, yes. <laughs> um, uh, so in the end, what you want with fairness, when I think this is easier to understand, say from a machine learning perspective first, yeah. is uh, when you have when you have uh, um, machine learning models that try to help you in um, detection of uh, uh, or classification of particular cases, you want that these models are not biased against a particular group of people right? so because they maybe are underrepresented in your training data um, uh, because you you collected them in the wrong way but you don't want the model to kind of have a bias towards the majority in your data um, or because the machine learning model picked up on particular correlated features and then uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, makes wrong inferences um, I mean typical examples are uh, um, right the typical uh, problem with the skin colors or uh, people having a particular education background are then profiled to not be suitable for particular jobs because that's just correlated because of biases in the training data. So this is this is an area in machine learning where uh, um, uh, active research where the aim is to uh, avoid these problems and ensure that the models that are being learned and trained are fair from the start, right? Where you where you uh, kind of can bring in objectives that correct the bias in the data, and uh, you you achieve uh, um, uh, objectives um, that are yeah 
or to achieve a model and analysis that is more objective to the uh, to the to the overall goals. But this is extremely hard to achieve. Um, uh, and um, in the process mining space, um, so far, at least I am not aware of uh, of of any work that is that is honestly uh, working on this. I think we're a bit blind here, to be honest. Uh, um, uh, maybe Felix uh, can add here. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I mean, there 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 is some some uh, initial work on on let's say looking at decisions, but it's very much the same as as in data mining, uh, and mm. and uh, it it's also a bit bit older now. And I think one one of the problems there are that that there are so many definitions for fairness. So what's actually fair? So that that's that's really not easy. I mean, you can define fairness, uh, but there's a lot of different definitions of fair. It's like with the ethical question, right? So you there there it's just you you cannot be ethical in the absolute sense. That's uh, I think probably the same. Uh, I would assume holds for fairness <laughs> from a philosophical sense. Um, what I think we can do maybe very practical on fairness and process mining is to think a little bit more about, uh, uh, and, and that's again maybe even linked to accuracy. So there is this uh, um, approach to look at the 80-20 uh, model and only at the 80% most frequent behavior. And I think there we can try to research fairness maybe because uh, making conclusions on the 80% model, that might be actually quite unfair. And uh, there I can also see a direct link on, on, on discriminating people uh, that are not in the 80% model. And I think everyone has encountered this in processes that, yeah, if the belasting deans, if the tax authorities in the, in the Netherlands, it's very easy to do this if you're in the 80% of people that just click a button, everything fine. But if you're not, then, then the process gets really hard. Yeah. So I kind of see this. This this could be uh, angle into fairness and process mining because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of discriminating against yeah. the rare cases, right? So there's also actually interesting discussion in the community going on, onto rare events and 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 rare cases. How to deal with this in process mining? Right. So maybe if I understand you correctly, the whole. Um, yeah, the whole fact that the process mining analysis has real-world impacts, right? So that the results that we have lead to either new rules or changes in the process. They also affect people, and they may affect people internally if you reorganize something in the organization, but maybe also customers. If you, for example, as a process improvement, make certain rules, what you require from customers. So in this space, it's, of course, about what you want to achieve, but also there are questions about is this ethical but also is this fair may play a role is this would you would you agree that's yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely agree so i think what this what this relates to is what the, what the comment earlier was the data doesn't tell everything right so mm -hmm. and that this both in the and say say and how much is represented but also things that are not recorded right. and um fairness at that point requires you to look beyond the data uh, that's and just don't take data at face value but mm -hmm. consider other factors a very typical example is you do a performance analysis identify a particular group of people take a lot longer to solve particular tasks well 
Um, and we all know that in most cases, this is because these are the difficult cases and these are the experts yeah. that really take a lot of time to solve them. So, um, uh, but if you don't know this, and uh, um, if, I, if I work with students, then they immediately jump to the conclusion, well, these are slow and they, 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 they need to improve their work. <laughs> but once, once they learn, well, there's something outside the data that you have to know, they, they can reconsider. And I think that's the same here. And now this is an example that most of us has, uh, have, have met. But uh, um, yeah, on other aspects, I think it's always the question, does the data tell me everything or is there something else I need to consider? So this is uh, without any, any automated techniques or algorithm, something that uh, you can make part of your, of your uh, habit of being a good engineer. Uh, to, to check for fairness in your analysis. Yeah, no, very good example. Yeah, so really keep in mind that you are not seeing everything and that that, that really has an impact. On the other side, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because at the same time, you can also see it the other way around, right? Without looking at data and without using data, often people operate based on gut feeling and based on opinions. And I have seen also uh, quite a few examples where people have said, well, actually using process mining and this type of fact-based, data-based analysis of our processes has made, has brought peace into the discussion and maybe has made things more fair sometimes because people who actually maybe are doing a really good job are maybe, you know, doing their best and doing a lot of work, maybe they are not being recognized for what they do or people have other opinions somewhere and, um, yeah, because they are shouting louder or have, I don't know, more importance in the organization or something, they get more weight. And so if you're just operating based on opinions, it's easy for people to yeah, maybe get lost or not be seen as much. So if you're looking at the data and really looking at what's truly there, then it can also be an opportunity to be, yeah, opportunity to be more fair and to really see the true process again, right? And recognize those. So yeah, it's both, both things at the same time, I think. Absolutely, yes. So you can, of course, look at process data to find out about things that are not fair, right? So that's a, <laughs> as in confidentiality, double-edged sword, so you can, can do both. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, it has been a really interesting discussion. So thanks a lot for, for sharing what what you're doing there and what you're seeing there in the research world, what's going on um, in, the, in the education side. And yeah, this whole space, I think we agree, is, is really important and people will, are starting to be more aware of it, but um, yeah, we'll have to do even more work there. And it needs to be just part of the common practice so that we are like the engineers building bridges, right? Um, just, yeah doing standard steps to ensure that we have done a good job yeah so yeah any anything any closing words any any last thought you want to you wanted to say that you didn't get the chance to say yet or so I, I think this is, this was a really great discussion. So we could look at these things from all uh, angles. And uh, um, for me, kind of reaching this point was a journey over the last two years and lots of intense discussions, intense learning. I think that's that's true for everybody being involved. Um, and uh, uh, I will will use a metaphor that the Will van der Waals also uses. Uh, it's like washing your hands, right? You just keep on keep on doing it because you know it's the right thing to do. So um, uh, just regularly reflecting on whether you're doing a good job and how to improve it better. Um, and that over time will uh, uh, will help you also becoming the better analyst uh, that does things the right way. Great. 
Yeah, it's uh, very hard to add with something better. But maybe uh, just just then, then I, I reach out again because I think I forgot this on the privacy uh, part. So I, I think uh, what's missing there actually is on the research side to uh, to bring this to the practice, right? So there is now somehow this situation that there is some interesting ideas, but they are not used in practice. Or actually, I don't believe that they are used in practice and I don't know about it. So that I think maybe then the question to people watching that are practitioners so please please come to uh, to us me or any other <laughs> researcher working in this field and and uh, and and uh, we can try to uh, to improve this part uh, together yeah absolutely yes we will we will share the the resources that we've mentioned and the pointers and also your contact information so people can uh, get in touch if they if they have more thoughts or want to discuss more or want to provide input and yeah I'm glad to see that um, yeah they're still there for example also Mike actually said in the in the chat that he he very much agrees and also emphasized that you have to look beyond the data right that was the point that we were making before that you don't have everything in the data and I think. For me, really, the importance is it starts all starts with the awareness um, that we said, uh, the awareness of your responsibility, and then yeah, do your best to to follow the step. Think about doing an ethical charter, defining the um, yeah what the goal of the analysis is. Make sure you're checking the data quality. Uh, really involve the people from the beginning. Uh, if yeah, you have a workers' council in your organization, involve them early on and just what you want to do and um, then based on that you, you just extract the data that you need and along the way you take bring people with you and um, if you if you can establish this um, yeah culture and to improve together then yeah maybe you can work with the data that you are, are using quite openly and and do great things all right let's let's leave it at that thanks a lot Dirk thanks Felix thanks for joining Thanks for having us. Yes, <laughs> pleasure. Great. Thank you all for watching. Uh, we will be back uh, in November with another Frost Mining Cafe uh, where we are talking about um, essentially bridging the gap between the IT and the process. So often the data is in a very kind of um, yeah, technical format, but you have to get it into the right format for process mining. And there's a lot of questions and challenges in that space. So that's what we are going to talk about then. Thanks a lot, everyone. Have a good day and a good rest of the week. Bye.